0: Well, Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Here we go. Ready to rock and roll? Yeah. That was convincing. Yeah. All right. Ready to rock and roll? Yeah. There we go, man. I've, you know, one thing, it's, it's good to get excited about the Word of God. You know, when you get excited about the Word of God, you start, the Word of God becomes alive to you and I. Anybody interested in the Word becoming alive to them? Yeah, yeah me too, for sure. I'm going to just let go of my gum here. Just in case I hit somebody in the second, third row. That would be awkward. So no, we're so glad that you're here. We want to welcome you. If this is your first time here, we want to let you know you belong here. If you've been here for a few weeks, if you've been here for a few years, you still belong here. And we're thrilled and glad that you're part of the family with us. And what this family is all about, we love Jesus and we love one another, don't we? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Help me out here, people. This is... Uh, a. <laughs> So if you've got your Bibles with you, I want you to go to Colossians chapter 2. We're going to launch off there, but we're continuing our series, again, on being rooted. And that's going to be our whole theme that we're going for this little while. And we're going to take our time in doing this. And uh, one of the cool things that I'm finding, even for my own self, prepping and getting ready for weekends now, is that uh, a lot of times I have a little bit of an idea of where I'm going. This series, I have no idea. So I am trusting the grace of God to lead us, to direct us, and to guide us on where He wants to take us. Uh, so trust me, as I've been spending time prepping, I'm like, okay, Lord, right now would be a great time to give me the message that you want for this weekend. But a lot of times, you know, one of the great things is, is to be led by the Spirit of God. And so that's what I'm endeavoring to do is just find out what the Lord wants to say, what he wants to do, and reach you right where we're at as a church family, but also you as an individual. And aren't you grateful that you have the teacher living on the inside of you? Yeah. Now, you are not limited by what I say or what I don't say, because he can take anything that I say and make it really good. Now, that makes my job really easy. <laughs> I have the Holy Spirit. He's the one who actually lives on the inside of you. He's the teacher. He's the instructor. So if we just lean into him, trust him, look to him. What's going to happen? He's going to enlighten us, right? He's going to show us things. So I'm believing that as I've been spending time just in prayer this week for you as a church family and also for you as individuals that we're going to see things that we haven't seen before. We're going to hear things that we haven't heard before, and we're going to go places we've never gone before. And that's what we're all about. Amen. Awesome. So again, as we're talking about rooted, you know the Lord gave us this statement. In order to properly move forward, we have to be rooted in the basics. Right? In order, and again, I said this last week, but anytime you see a sporting event, you go to a hockey game, you go to a football game, you go watch curling or whatever that is. What are you actually watching? You are watching individuals, people who have mastered the basics. They do the same thing repetitive over and over and over and over again till they mastered the skill. And so when game day comes, what happens? That skill becomes automatic or second nature is what we would say. Right? You don't have to think, okay, now I got, it's just soccer. Okay, I received the ball. Now what do I do with it? No, second nature is, okay, we've done this over and over. Now we pass and move, pass and move. It was ingrained on the inside of us. So when game day came, we were ready to act according to how we trained. Right? In the same way as as believers, we want to be ready for when game day comes. Right? You know, one of the words that says here, for the word mature, sorry, let me just go back up a little bit. Colossians 1.28 in the message, he says this, to be mature is to be basic. So we want to master ourselves in the basics. And the word mature simply means to reach advanced stages or to be fully developed. Now, did you think about that for a moment? To be advanced in Christianity, to be fully developed in Christianity, what does it require? You and I mastering the basics. We don't have to look for something new, some phenomenal, great, big revelation knowledge out there. We've got to be solid in what we know and what we've heard. And the result is we'll be mature and we'll be operating fully developed people. Yeah. That's, that's good news, right? We don't need to be looking for the next big thing. We need to be going deeper in what we already know, right? So Colossians chapter 2 and verse 6 and 7 in the Amplified Bible, you'll have it on the screen there for you as well. But it says, therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus, the Lord. How many of you have done that before? You've received Christ Jesus as Lord. Awesome. Now he says, walk in union with him. Everybody say that with me. Walk in union with him. This is our life. This is how it rolls. We are going to now walk in union with him. Other translation, the New Living says, continue to follow him. How? Uh, Reflecting his character and the things that you do and the things that you say. Living lives that lead others away from sin. Verse 7. Having been deeply rooted. Everybody say deeply rooted. Deeply rooted. Now he didn't say shallow re- shallowly rooted. Deeply rooted. We got to get deep into something. Getting deeply rooted in him. And now being continually built up in him and becoming increasingly more what? Established. established. Can you see some of these key words? Get rooted. Get established in your faith just as you were taught and overflowing in it with gratitude. This is what we're talking about this whole series and going forward is we have to be properly rooted. We got to get established in what we know, established in what we believe, so that when people even ask you or things come around and try challenging you, we have an answer for what is coming against us, right? Christianity shouldn't just be this big question mark overhead, Uh, I don't know why this stuff's going on. No, we need to be knowing things, intuitive, understanding, and we can do that by being deeply rooted in who he is, right? He's a good God and he'll show us things, right? Okay. Glad we're on the same boat. So, and this is what we talked about a little real quickly last week about 2 Corinthians 5:17. I have it here on the New Living, but in the in the Living Bible it says this. When someone becomes a Christian, he becomes a brand new person inside. Right? Who became who's a Christian here? I am a C. I, I am a C. I am a C. And I got C H R I S T in my H A R T, and I will la 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 la. I have no idea what that even says at the end. So whoever knows that, tell me after. But if you are a Christian, what has happened on the inside of you? What happened? You became brand new. Where? On the inside. Spiritually speaking, you are brand new. Let me read it again. When someone becomes a Christian, how do you become a Christian? By being good. By being in church. By singing on the worship team? By shaking hands at the front door? No, No, by by making crepes for other people. That's how you get it, right? That's how it is. All right. Oh, now you're a Christian now because you make Nutella crepes. I like you. Now, how do you become a Christian? Guess what I'm talking about, Mrs. O'Neill? By accepting Jesus into your heart. How do you do that? You use your mouth. You say, I believe that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. I believe that he is the son of God. Jesus come into my life and the result is you became a Christian based on your belief in what Jesus has done for you. Right? There's no other way to be a Christian. There's one way. I say one way. There's one way and it's through Jesus. So when someone becomes a Christian, the moment he says those words, he becomes a brand new person inside. He is not the same anymore. A new life has begun. And so what we're talking about going through this series is we want to talk about this new life that has become. You know, we touched base real quickly last week too in Colossians chapter 1, 13 and 14. It says that we have been rescued from the kingdom of darkness and we've been transferred into the kingdom of God's dear son. Now, we've been rescued from something and we've been placed in somewhere else. Now, you and I, where are we currently? Where are we? If you were a Christian, which kingdom are you a part of? The kingdom of God's dear son. So now, let me ask you this. Is the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of God's dear son, do they operate the same way? No. Completely different. So what it becomes frustrating for Christians is when you live in the kingdom of God's dear son with a mentality of the kingdom of darkness. Well, I don't have a mentality of kingdom of darkness. You know what? It's, not as, it's a lot more subtle than you think. It's not just thinking, I don't have dark thoughts anymore. Now, it could be anything like, oh, you know, scarcity, or no, I, I'm, I'm nervous about this, or I'm scared about this. In the kingdom of God, is there any fear? No. no. So, should fear be controlling our lives or dictating the decisions that we make? No. no. So, it's a completely brand new way of living. Completely brand new. Yeah. So, this is what we're talking. We have to understand now that we've been transferred, now that I'm here, how do I think? How do I believe? How do I talk? How do I act? It is brand new over here. And this is what 2 Corinthians 5.17 is telling us. The old life, this kingdom of darkness, is gone. That nature, that old man that that understood this and could live there, is gone. Look at this. A new life has now begun. And we have to understand how this life works or you will live very frustrated. So, as I just said this, you've been made a brand new person entirely. Now to see the new person manifested requires a new way of thinking and believing that lines up with God's way of thinking. Then, this lining up with God will cause the new you to be seen on the outside. And that's what we're looking for. Is we want what's already happened on the inside of us, not just to remain there. God doesn't just want to hang out on the inside of you and just live there till he comes back. He wants him to come out so that you can see it, so that other people can see it and go, Oh, ah, and now that I see you, I can see Jesus. Right? That's what we're here for. So how does that take place? How do I now showcase to the world this new man that I am? I have to change the way that I think. I have to change the way that I believe. Isn't that amazing? That's all that it is. It may be a new thought. It's a new thinking process. But all that it requires is a new mindset. And you can now reveal the kingdom of God's dear son. (gasps) Now, it's a lifelong journey. (laughs) Now, let's start this thing, okay? So as we talked last week, I'm not going to get all into that just for time's sake, but here we are. Now Would want you just imagine now? This is a kingdom, God's dear son right here. Now in this kingdom, how it operates, how it functions is all by grace. You cannot earn anything in this area. It is the grace of God that is for you, okay? So I know I mentioned last week, you know, I was on this place where I was so focused on, okay, I got to do something in order to receive from God. I have to pray hard enough. I got to, you know, think hard enough. I got to be good, good enough in order to receive the blessings of God. That is eh, wrong. The blessings of God are mine regardless of who I am, what I've done, because I'm in now the kingdom of God's dear son. This is where I stand. And I want to prove to you a few scriptures. Are you ready? Yeah. This gets deep, Okay. Well, I don't mean deep and like, oh, how are we going to understand this? No, it's so simple, but it's so deep. That's what Jesus was all about. So now I want you to go in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 4. It says this in the Passion Bible. And I use the Passion Bible because it's a good translation. It takes the Aramaic, it takes the Hebrew, it takes the Greek, and kind of meshes them together and gives us a really cool, you know, scripture. So in 1 Corinthians 1, 4 in the Passion Bible, it says, this is Paul saying, I am always thanking my God for you, Because He has given you. Say, He's given me. Now, I'm not going to do a whole lot of talking. I'm going to just let the Bible talk for itself. Okay? The Word of God has given you free and open access to His grace through your union with Jesus the Messiah. So let me ask you this. What do you have now? What kind of access do you have to the grace of God? It is open And it's a complete free access. So does that mean, is there a lock on it? Is it hidden from you? Is it, you know, hiding itself away from you, you know, because he doesn't like the way that you acted today? No, it is a completely open and it's completely free access. Now, how do you get it? Through your union with Jesus. Through my connection to him. Who's connected to Jesus? For those of you that don't know, well, how do you do that? You have to accept him as your Lord and Savior. The moment that you say, Jesus, come into my heart, I accept you. I believe that you are the risen Christ. At that moment, look what God gave you. Free and open access to His grace. Now you got it. Say, I got it. it. You got it. You don't got to work for His grace. You don't have to work for His favor. You got it. It belongs to you. How? Through my union with Christ Jesus. Now I want you to look at this. Romans chapter 5 and verse 2. In the New Living, it says this. Because of our faith. Now again, what is our faith? It is working with the grace of God. So I'm trusting Him because of my trust in Jesus. Christ has brought us into this, say it with me, place of what? Undeserved privilege where we now stand. Stomp your feet, y'all. This is, this is where I'm at. This is where I'm at right now. I stand right here. Now, don't think of a physical place. So I'm not standing in this undeserved privilege. No, right now, spiritually speaking, this is where I stand. In this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. Now, the Passion Bible says it this way. Our faith guarantees us permanent access into his, this marvelous kindness that has given us a perfect relationship with God. Grip's got a hold of you. Sorry, grace has got a hold of you. Grip's got a hold of you. Yeah, it does. Grace has a hold of you. Now, I have free access to the grace of God for my life because of my union with Jesus. I know this is very simple, but we've got to get this. This will change the way you see life. I have complete and total access to the grace of God in my life because of my union with Jesus. And because of my union with him, I now stand in this place of undeserved privilege. Now, just think about that for a sec. What does that word privilege mean? Special treatment. treatment. Right? You hear a lot of these types of things. Oh, man, there's special treatments for the white folk, for the black folk, for the native, for the not. It's just everybody's got these. These people all got special treatment. You know what? As a believer in Jesus, yeah, I got special treatment. Yep. Why? I'm in this place. This is now where I stand. So let's not even talk about race for a moment. If you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you now stand in this place of what? Undeserved Privileged. privilege. Yeah. You got privileges. Yeah. Yeah. Where do I stand? In undeserved privilege this is where now I stand so somebody asks you where are you right now I'm in undeserved privilege this has to be so embedded on the inside of you you got to see this on the inside this is now where I stand when crisis hits me oh thank you Lord I come and I have undeserved privilege this is now where I stand so what does that do that's my answer my answer is I stand here why because of my faith in Jesus So this is my stance. Now notice this word, undeserved. (laughs) Do you earn this? No, it's his kindness extended towards you that puts you in this place. He wanted to put you there, so just accept it. Right? Now let me go on a little bit further. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 8. Now I want you, just before I read this, I want you to see, okay, if I'm standing in this place of undeserved privilege, I want you to see yourself with the grace of God, like you're standing underneath a massive waterfall. Anybody ever been underneath a waterfall? Mm-hmm. No, I mean like bigger than like West Edmonton Mall or something like that. I mean, I'm talking like a, a real waterfall. Yeah, yeah. No. Yep. No. Nope. Okay. Well, let's just pretend, okay? Just, I want you to hear the water <laughs> crashing down. Everywhere around you, grace is coming at you. Wow. It's coming at you from all directions. Why? Because I stand in this place of undeserved privilege. So it's all around me. Then Paul goes on to say in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 8, he says, this super abundant grace is already powerfully working in me. Now it's in me. What is it doing? It is releasing within us all forms of wisdom and practical understanding. Man, how did you get so smart? The grace is working super abundantly on the inside of me. Anybody ever heard that said, man, you're, really, you're, quite, you're quite a smart individual. I never, got, I never heard that in all my years growing up. In school, I had one teacher that said, you're really smart in biology. I said, yeah, I know, I I got that. But that was it. And she said, you should go into science honors. I said, well, just let's see what October brings us because we just started the year and I aced my first test. Let's just continue down the road. But you know what? You know what? Things actually started to change for me is all of a sudden when I got involved ministry-wise, then a lot of people say, how did you get so smart and you're so young? It's not me. Me by myself is stupid. S-T-O-O-O-O-O-O-P-I-D. But with the grace of God, what happens? You've got to activate it. Yeah, it, it could be on the inside of you, but you have to release it. How do you do that? By acknowledging it. So I don't know how many times we constantly say the grace is in us to lead. The grace is in us to perform, to do what God has called us to do. We constantly say that. What are we doing? We're just activating the grace of God. But notice, what else? where else is it? It is on the inside of you. So not only is it all around you where I stand in this place of undeserved privilege, but now Paul goes on to say, now grace is actively working on the inside of you. It's there. Oh, isn't this good news? So now with this all-consuming, all-over-me grace, I want to live my life knowing this grace that's available for me so that everything I do is birthed out of the grace of God. I have to live my life where everything in my life is birthed from grace, right. meaning if God tells me or asks me to do something, I now step out and do it because the grace is there. Anybody was ever flustered or had a really hard time trying to perform something or trying to do something, trying to launch out and do this work, and it just didn't work? Anybody ever tried doing that before? You know what that was? There's no grace in it. So that's why It's frustrating. Because there's no grace in you or on you to make that thing happen. Anybody just try jumping out? I'm going to do this. I'm going to try this, and I'm going to, you know, have that, 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 and it fell through. Is because grace was not working. Ah, <sighs> but now when grace leads you, guides you, tells you take this step over here, maybe nerve wracking, but you can step out and do it. And the result is, since grace told you, grace will empower you to now do it. Right? That's the good news on it. Okay. So I want to ask ask yourself. What did God reveal to me or what has grace said to me? What is, what is he talking to me about? My life is to be lived out of response from the grace of God. I am completely dependent on the grace of God in my life. You know, Lamentations 3.23 in the Living Bible says, Great is his faithfulness. His loving kindness begins fresh every day. Grace never runs out. It never runs out. So now... Before we go more deep into grace, I want to just talk a little bit about the grace of God is hungry for you. Grace is hungry for you. And I want to show you a few scriptures as well. In this, in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 15. In the New Living Bible, it says, uh, just all this for your benefit. As God's grace, what does it say right after? Reaches more and more people, there will be great thanksgiving and God will receive more glory. So what is the grace of God? What is it actively doing right now? It's reaching for more and more and more and more and more and more more people. He's looking to help. He's looking to strengthen. He's looking to guide. He's looking to influence. Grace is constantly out there trying to get your attention. He's hungry for you. Next, I want you to look at Colossians chapter 1. I have it on the screen, so you don't got to do all this flipping. But Colossians chapter 1, verse 3, it says, We always pray for you, and we give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. For we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and your love for all of God's people, which, w- which come from your confident hope of what God has reserved for you in heaven. You have had this expectation ever since you first heard the truth of the good news. Now, the good news has, that came to you is going out all over the world. It is bearing fruit everywhere by changing lives, just as it changed your lives from the day you first heard it and understood the truth about God's wonderful grace. What is the grace of God? The grace of God is a world traveler. You and I, we are carriers of the grace of God. That's who we are. So everywhere we go, what is our gospel? Just again, talking about saving grace, what we talked about last week. God saved us, how? By grace, through faith. But the grace of God, this salvation grace, is going out all over the world. It's going into your companies. It's going into your businesses. How? Through you. You are a grace carrier. You carry him. You carry the message of grace. And this is what he's saying. This message is going all out over the world. Don't think, oh, look what the devil's doing out there. You see all the stuff that the terrorists are doing. Forget about it. Look at what grace is doing. Grace is going out all over the world for just as much as sin abounds, as the Bible says. Grace does much more abound. The devil is not doing more than God is. God is tremendously moving. Maybe in the behind the scenes, but he is moving constantly. Because it says right here that the grace of God is going everywhere. Yes. Everywhere. Everywhere reaching the darkest Muslim, reaching the most intense Islamic individual. It doesn't matter. Grace is reaching. He longs for people. So don't count anybody out because the grace of God is far more powerful than any kind of sin or devilish work. Grace always wins. Grace is strong. Grace is mighty. Why? It's God working on our behalf. Woo, I like grace. So, grace is satisfied when lives change. When does grace stop? Grace never does stop. It continues to go. But when is he satisfied? Is when a life is changed. And then what happens? Then continual changes take place. So when the lost gets saved, grace wins. When the believer walks free from addiction and lives a holy life, yeah. grace wins. When the believer walks above the trials and storms of life, say it with me, grace wins. When the believer lives an abundant life and gives to every good work, Grace wins. Lastly, when the believer uses the gifts entrusted to him by God to advance the kingdom of God, grace wins. You are not on your own. Whatever grace tells you to do, he equips you to carry out to the finish. Grace is always working for you. So now, let's get into this a little bit. I'm going to just take my time going through this because now grace is so vast. It's huge. But grace is expressed in five different ways. I want to just read those out to you. I want to talk to you a little bit about them. And we'll see as the Lord leads us, we're going to continue to follow him in this. But if he leads us to spend some time on a certain area where grace is now expressed, we're going to just stop and camp there for a little bit. So last week, we talked about um, the grace of God being saved for us. Now, before I jump into this, let me just give you a quick definition of what grace is. Grace defined, and you may know this already, you have seen this in your Bibles, but an undeserved, unearned favor and ability of God, Right? It's the unearned, unearned, undeserved favor of God. Grace is the essence of who He is and is the basis for how He acts on our behalf. Okay, I I really want you to write... If if you're writing this stuff down, I really want you to write this because this is... And think on this for this week. Grace is the essence of who He is. So grace isn't a topic. Grace is who He is and is the basis for how He acts... On our behalf. This is what he does for us. It also, his grace is also the empowering force behind who we become and all we are enabled to do for him. I'm going to say that one more time. Read the first part. Grace is the essence of who he is, and grace is the basis of how he acts on our behalf. Right? So that's really just God moving for us. Now, How does it hit me as an individual more so now? His grace is also the empowering force. It's the empowering force behind who we become and all we are enabled to do for him. Everything that I do, I mean, just for my own example, naturally speaking, I am not the top-notch communicator, speaker, public speaking-wise. I mean, I make up a lot of words. I spell words that are just all over the map. But what I do when the Lord calls you into something, there's a lot of times I, before I even come up here, I say, Lord, I am ready to meet you at this podium. I meet you here. And the moment I stand here, I am fully expecting the grace of God now to fully operate. Because in and of myself, I suck. (laughs) Nobody wants to hear that. But when the grace of God is working, oh, okay, now I can understand this. Now, if you think about this, anything good that has ever fallen out of my lips and impacted your life, it was from Him. Yeah. Anything that just was bad or annoying, that was me. <laughs> I'm very aware of, aware of that. How so? Because I fully understand it's the grace of God in me that does the work. I understand that. I only know a small little snippet to it. There is so much more that I need to be understanding. But I have to, you, we have to understand it's the grace of God in us that is empowering you to do certain things. Yeah. Oh, I don't feel comfortable stepping out and doing these things. It's not about you. It's about the grace of God in you. So people look at you. How are you doing that? Grace. It has nothing to do with your ability or lack thereof. It's nothing to do with it. It has everything to do with what is grace asked of you and empowered you to do. Because when it empowers you to do it, the grace is there to do it. Right? Okay. Glad we're on the same page there. So now, grace defined. Expressing itself in five different ways. Number one, saving grace. Now, saving grace is God's... Everybody say God's. It's God's power and ability to justify us, to forgive our sins, and to make us new creatures in Christ Jesus. This is His job. Now, I want you to notice, every time that I'm going to read out these five different graces, every one of them is going to start like this, God's power and ability to do something. Right? Right? So number one, saving grace. What is saving grace? It is God's power and His ability to forgive our sins, to cleanse us, so that we now are part of His family. He did the work, right? Right. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9. It says this. God saved you, how? By His grace. Saving grace. When you believed. And you can't take credit for this because it is a gift from God. Verse 9 says... Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. So that's number one, saving grace. Number two is sanctifying grace. Okay? Saving grace. Number two, sanctifying grace. Now, sanctifying grace is God's power and God's ability to purify us and enable us to live holy lives in a corrupt world. Now we might as well acknowledge the world is dirty. And now it is easy for believers just to fall into it unless they know something. Unless they know something. Now what is this what is sanctifying grace? It's not your power and ability to walk clean. Hear me people, it's not it's not about you oh, I'm going to stop doing this addiction. I'm going to stop drinking, I'm going to stop swearing, I'm going to stop I'm going to stop doing all these bad things. It's not about you doing it. Cuz what happens when you throw yourself in the equation? No grace attached to it. It's not going to work. Right? It says here, God's power and his ability that enables you and I to live a clean and holy life. So just saying, I'm going I'm to smart. I'm going to get my act together. I'm going to be better. You know, yeah, you'll last maybe two or three days. Yeah. But after that willpower is gone, you are now left with your flesh. Right. So there's got to be something that is stronger than the urges or inclinations of flesh. What is that? Grace! Say it with me, grace! This is your answer. Oh, I'm stuck. I don't know how to get out of this. You need grace. Not somebody just to pray this thing off me. I pray this addiction off me. It's not about that. You need to know the grace of God for you. This is God's power and ability to enable you to walk and live a holy life. And the verse I want to share with you is Titus chapter 2, verse 11 and 12. In the Passion Bible, it says this. God's marvelous grace has manifested in person. And who is that? That's Jesus, right? Grace is a man. It's Jesus. Now I notice this, bringing salvation for everyone. Now what kind of grace is that? That's saving grace, right? Now it's bringing salvation for everyone. Look at verse 12 now. Now saying this same grace, this same grace now teaches us, teaches me how to live each day as we turn our backs on ungodliness and indulgent lifestyles and it equips us to live self-controlled, upright, godly lives in this present age. How are we going to do this? By grace. Oh I'm just I, I got this drinking problem. I got this drinking thing. How am I going to get out of it? Grace. Notice it doesn't say condemnation. Grace. I say it with me grace. Grace. Now, we might as well fess up. We all struggle in this area to some degree. I don't act as if, oh, oh, I'm I'm perfect. I'm a Christian. No, we all struggle in this. Listen, there is a dark world out there. And listen, our flesh is weak. You can't confess my flesh is strong because the Bible said it's weak. My flesh is strong. My flesh is strong. No, the Bible says it's weak, so your flesh is weak. But what's strong on the inside of you? Your spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. So what do I need then? I have to be stronger in grace than I have to understand my fleshly desires. I'm not going to spend a whole lot. of We'll probably get there sometime, but this is where it is. If you're struggling in any area, you don't need more give or pick me up. Or so I got to get, stop doing this, stop doing that. You need to understand God's grace towards you in this area. We all know self, saving grace. God saved me because he loved me. Well, guess what? He sanctifies you because he loves you. He doesn't want you bound up in that. Right? It hurts. It hurts him. You think you're frustrating hurt by it. It hurts his heart. Right? He doesn't want to see his kids bound in any kind of way. Anyways, makes sense. Okay. The next one is strengthening grace. Can I say that with me. Strengthening grace. Now, Christianity in weakness should never be in the same sentence. It's weak. Christians, and you know, that's why a lot of people see, oh, Christianity is just a crutch. Yeah, for wimps, it is. But when you understand grace, you are now more than a conqueror. Right? So strengthening grace. What is strengthening grace? It is God's power and ability to energize and inspire us to live victoriously, to reign over the challenges and circumstances of life. That's what this strengthening grace does. So we need to acknowledge the first things. Is that right off the bat? It says that you will face trials and tribulations in this world. Why is that? Because God's trying to teach you something? Absolutely not. God is not the author of trials and tribulations for you. He never designed them. He never created them. Right. Oh, well, got to, how is he going to teach us? He teaches us through his word and he teaches us through his spirit. Right. So strengthening grace. So when these trials and things come at you, what does God want to do? He wants to empower you through his grace to be more of an, a conqueror and rise above it. So it has even an effect on you. So again, people can look at you and go, how did you do that? How did you survive this? It's through the grace of God. Isn't that awesome? Okay, let me give you a verse. Romans chapter 5 and verse 17. In the Passion Bible again, it says, Death once held us in its grip. It held us there. And by the blunder of one man, talking Adam, death reigned as king over humanity. He's he's painting a picture. Right? Death is the boss here now. Everybody say, but now, but now, now, how much more are we? Oh, how much more are we held in the grip of grace and continue what? Reigning, Reigning, wow, as kings in life. This is God's desire for you is to reign as a king in life. How is he going to do that? Through grace. Remember, we're all talking about being in this area. You're in the kingdom of God's dear son. This is how it all operates. Mm -hmm. All here. So if you're like, how am I going to beat this? This? How am I going to beat this circumstance? This thing coming against me. I'm going to do it through grace. Reigning as kings in life, enjoying our regal freedom through the gift of the perfect righteousness in the one and only Jesus the Messiah. This is God's desire. So Christianity and weakness should never be in the same sentence. Oh, I'm just such a wimp. Oh, I'm just so weak. Have you ever seen a scripture in that? Show me a scripture that says Christians ought to be weak. Nowhere is that. Who are we? We are here to occupy the earth till Jesus comes back. What does that mean? We is the boss. We call the shots. We're the ones that are ruling and reigning in this life. Let me just remind you again, the devil. Who is he again? What was he created as? He, okay, Lucifer. What was he? He was an angel. Now, there was iniquity found in him. What did God do to him? He kicked him right out. Now, what is Lucifer now known as the devil? Who is he now? He is a fallen angel. He's a fallen angel. He's not even classified as an angel. He's now a fallen one, which means he is absolutely weak. And then Jesus came and busted him up a little bit. Now, what is he? He is completely useless. Amen. He has got no power. He has got absolutely nothing in your and my life. If we look at all these verses, the grace of God is more than enough to lift you up, to edify you, to equip you for everything you need to live in this life victoriously. You have it all. You got it all. So Christianity ought not to be, oh, the devil's just kicking my butt. Turn the thing around, understand the grace of God that's for you, and now you step on his head. Turn the tables around a little bit, right? Okay. Next, so let's just recap real quick. Saving grace, sanctifying grace, strengthening grace. Number four is called sharing grace. You know, sharing is caring. (laughs) Sharing is good. But what is now this grace? It is God's power and ability to meet our needs and to take joy in giving to others. (laughs) You see this? Now we're talking your finances here a little bit. There is a grace that you and I need to become aware of. Just as much, we all know saving grace. People are very, you know, acquainted or accustomed with saving grace. They understand that. Now, the same knowledge that you have for saving grace, we have to understand the same as the exact same grace is available when it comes to your finances. Yeah. We have to understand. Other translations will actually say, "Yeah, understanding." Make sure you're knowledgeable of this grace also. Take part in this grace also. What is this grace? Is that God is interested in meeting your needs. Remember, what is grace? It is His unearned, undeserved favor of God towards you. What does He want to do? He wants to take care of all of your needs and at the same time, use you to be a giver to other people. Let me just show you the 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 8. This is an exciting one when you get it. It says this, Yes, God is more than ready to overwhelm you with every form of grace so that you will have more than enough of everything. In the Greek, let me just read you out that word, um, more than enough. If you, in the actual Greek, it means this in English, ind- to be, make you independently wealthy, needing nothing. <laughs> Are you kidding me? You believe in a God that wants to make you poor? I have no idea where you're getting that from because according to grace, grace wants to overwhelm you with blessing. Where you have so much. Just think about it. Let's just read this again. To overwhelm you with every form of grace so that you will have more than enough of everything. Oh, why does he have four or five cars? Does it really matter? Heaven's going to be a really disturbing place for you when you get there and you find out, oh, the Lord just made you a mansion. Oh, Lord, I just want a hut in heaven. Lame. Why? God wants to... This is who he is. Grace is talking. You can't argue with Grace. And then he goes on, every moment and in every way. <laughs> then he goes on, he will make you overflow with abundance in what? Yeah. Every good thing you do. Every good thing. Do you see this? We have a big God. Yes. Now, if, all, if that's a struggle for you, let me encourage you, enlarge in your vision. Yeah. See it bigger than just you. See paying off your neighbor's house for yeah. the. See, see that. Yeah. See all of a sudden, okay, we got a few things that we got needs and people have needs in the church. Man, I'm able to pay off their house. I can buy them a brand new. Just start seeing yourself doing this way. How can I be partakers of this? By being understanding the grace of God that is towards me. Because it's not about me working my butt off to make things happen. No, again, grace is what? God's power and his ability that is for you. So if you're seeing yourself struggle financially wise, let me encourage you. you, uh, Let me just say this. You don't understand the grace of God towards you. I don't know how else to say that. That's just what the word says. But if you're wanting, okay, I want to grow in my finances. Where do I start? I got to get more hours and I got to work five jobs. No, no, no. Let me encourage you. Now, this isn't, this isn't a write-off to say, oh, I don't have to work anymore. I'm going to just know more about grace. If you don't work, you don't eat. There's, there's a balance between that. Don't get on the ditch and just say, I'm going to just study the grace of God for money and I never have to work again. That's not it. God gave us hands to use, to work. Men, boys, this is what we do, huh? Right? You can't play, mama, playing, saying your mama's basement, playing video games. We're growing up. We got to be men. We got a job. But while we're working, let's get an understanding of the grace of God towards us. What He wants to do for our finances. <laughs> I'll leave that there for y'all. Okay? <laughs> Again, I'm not. I'm giving you the Word of God. This is what the Word is saying. Next, the last of graces, but certainly not the least, is serving grace. Now, what is serving grace? Serving grace is God, again, God's power and ability to serve Him and others with His divinely imparted gifts. The grace of God, it's God's power and ability to serve Him and others with his divinely imparted gifts. First Peter, chapter four and verse 10, it says this: "Every believer, say every believer, every who, does that, who does that include? That's you. It says, "Every believer has received grace gifts. You've received it. So what do you do with these grace gifts? So use them to serve one another as faithful stewards of the many-colored tapestry of God's grace." So, again, you may understand, you may have an understanding, okay, this is my grace. This is the gift that God gave me. Now, let me tell you this the gift that God gave you is not for you to elevate yourself with. Right. God gave me the grace again, as in Ephesians, well, I mean, for us, the fivefold ministry gift, Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 11. Pastors, prophets, evangelists, no, oh, apostles, prophets, pastors, evangelists, teachers. God gave me the, I'm here to pastor. That gift is not for me to do however I want to use it. That gift is for me on the inside of me now to use and to benefit who? The church. That's what I'm here for. And then, but Romans chapter 12. So where do my gifts lie? They lie in Romans chapter 12. I would encourage you to read Romans chapter 12, 4 through, I believe it's 8. Read through those verses. See them. It talks about leadership. It talks about hospitality. It talks about giving. All these gifts you possess, you have it. It's on the inside of you. Now, what is he telling us to do? To use these gifts to serve one another. So this is what I'm doing. I'm just serving you what my gift is. I hope you like it. If you don't, well, don't tell me, just tell Jamie. (laughs) How could anybody not like you? As my mom would say. If you knew me, you'd really like me, right? Yeah, yeah, Uh, yeah, yeah. I was looking for a little bit of a quicker response. Like, oh yeah, yeah, for sure. Anybody knew you, that'd be awesome. Anyways, talk to my wife. She kind of likes me. That was a bit awkward. (laughs) So now grace always starts the conversation. Now we're again, we're talking, we're going to wrap this up. We're here in the kingdom of God's dear son. Grace always starts the conversation. You never launch out. You never try something. You never go do something. Let grace initiate everything that you do. It's got to be the initiating. Grace always starts. So again, as I said, in each case that we just read in all the graces, We notice that God's power and ability, that's at work in you to carry something out. Grace always starts the process, always. If we are not seeing results in our life, it's not God's fault. We have to learn to cooperate with grace. We have to learn to cooperate with grace. So now, how do I cooperate with the grace of God and His ability in my life? Here it is. I'm going to just give you this and we'll close here. Is spend time in the Word to see what the grace of God has provided. And again, what happens is when you spend time in the Word of God, what comes when you hear the Word of God? Faith. Faith. Faith is the key. Now that activates it. Right? So let me just read that again. How do I cooperate with all these graces that we just read? What are the graces again? Saving. Saving grace, sanctifying grace, strengthening, S- strengthening grace, sharing. sharing grace, serving grace. How do I partake? How do I participate in these graces? I have to get into the word of God to find out what his grace has provided for me. And what happens when you're in the word of God? Romans ten seventeen says, so now faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So when you're spending time studying and you're in there understanding sanctifying grace, if you're struggling when there's an area in your life and what you do is, you, Lord, I'm diving into this. Show me the grace of God that has sanctified me. Set me apart for you, your, your use. Show me this. What's going to happen? He's going to reveal the grace that he has for you in this area. And the result is now, what came? Faith, Faith comes. And don't forget, what is the conversation between God and me? It's a conversation between grace and faith. This is the whole conversation. A lot of people are just crying out, Oh God, if you could just take this away from me. Just take this away from me. It's not about that. The grace of God, according to what we read, has he already taken it away? He's already set you free. Now what needs to take place then? Right? Remember what took place? I'm a brand new person. I left here. Now I'm over here. I'm a brand new person. So am I actually free? But what if I'm still bound in drinking and alcohol and I'm still bound in, you know, marijuana and smoking and all this? Stuff. I'm still bound in this. And I want out. Is it, does that make... Am I actually free? Yeah. Yes, I am. Because I've been transferred. I'm a brand new person. So now how do I see what's on the inside of me come out? I need to have a mind adjustment. What does that come? From spending time in the Word of God, letting God impart to you His grace. When grace comes and you see it, ding, 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 ding. Faith comes and now what do I do? I cooperate with the grace of God and I can freely say I am free from this. That's again, that's the whole conversation. So how do I have a conversation with God? It's grace, faith. Faith is simply I believe what he said. That's all that it is. Faith is a response to what grace does. Right? So, you know, this is one of the words that Lord gave me last night. Just this phrase, go with what grace says. Let me just read this to you. Whenever what you see does not line up with what God said, go with what grace said. When you don't feel forgiven, go with what grace said. When you don't feel free, go with what grace said. When you don't feel you have peace, go with what grace says. You always have to let grace have the first word. Let him have the middle word. Let him have the final word. Let grace talk. Oh, but I I got no finances. I can't do this. Let grace be the final word. Let him talk. Let him talk. Because listen, what does he say? If I'm going to be free, I'm free. If he says I'm not alone, I'm not alone. If he says that I'm not abandoned, I'm not abandoned. If he says I'm not an orphan, what am I? I'm not an orphan. If he says that I'm blessed, who am I? blessed. If he says that I'm healed, who am I? Healed. Don't argue with the grace. Don't argue with it. Grace is speaking and what grace says always wins. Amen. Can we acknowledge that this morning? So what we did is again, I'm just laying a quick foundation for all these different types of graces that are available to you and I. And think about it for a sec. Yeah, it's great. Okay. I got some knowledge on this, but I want you just to take this, absorb this and notice these are the graces that God has made available to me for living, saving grace. Aren't you thankful that God saved you by his grace? Aren't you thankful for that? Now, aren't you thankful now that if that may be bound, that he actually has now sanctifying grace to help you? Now notice this, it's not, stop doing that. People have this image of God. You better clean up your act or else. Sanctifying grace. I want you just to see how gentle, how kind he is. What causes people to change the way they live is seeing the kindness of God. What is kindness? It's his grace. It's his grace. When you see his sanctifying grace is here to help you, to help you win in life, to help you live blessed, to help you give blessed, to help you serve the gift that you have, to help you get over, you know, maybe some fears or insecurities that you may have. He wants to help you rise above that. So again, we're talking about all these things in order. So because in order to properly move forward, we have to be rooted in some of these basics. I have to know the grace of God that is for me, that is in me to do all the things that he asked me to do. Amen. Awesome. Can we just stand up? Let's just worship the Lord for a moment.